Hi, and welcome to Modern Animism Radio. This is Laura Giles, your host and founder of Pan Society. We bring modern animism to you so that you can bring it into your day-to-day life. And today I'm speaking with Jonathan Dumas of Real Talk with Dumas podcast. Jonathan holds a Master of Science in Organizational Psychology with a focus on diversity and leadership. And Jonathan enjoys having real and difficult conversations. Not sure if that's where we're going today, but we'll see. First, let's give gratitude to our first ancestors, the elements. I acknowledge the element of earth. As fall kicks in and life is winding down, I give gratitude to earth for all that she's given us, the food, shelter, safety, a firm foundation, and abundance to help sustain our bodies and enjoy our lives. I acknowledge the element of air. Mercury is still retrograde and reminding us to slow down, speak clearly, double check, and practice discernment so that we move forward in a way that's healthy and accurate. I acknowledge the element of fire and admit to missing the sun's fire so much. Thank you, fire, for the warmth and passion that you bring into our lives. And please keep reminding us to temper that with responsibility. I acknowledge the element of water and give gratitude for the cleansing tears that help to give, uh, keep grief and loss of the season flowing so that new life can form. And I give gratitude to the loving, helping ancestors for all the support that you provide for us that we see and don't see. Thank you to our listeners for listening, sharing, and liking our social media. It helps us to get the word out about modern animism. And if you want to support, please review our podcast wherever you're listening. And you can also join our private Facebook group and meet people who are like you, curious and interested in the animist lifestyle. If you'd like to support, get perks, check on our Patreon page so that you can get in on our book club, online class, and group ancestral healings. So, Jonathan, welcome. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for uh, having me on the show. This is awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to you. Thanks for being here. Yes, same. So your podcast is called Real Talk. So if we have um, to have a special place to get real talk, that kind of implies that our day-to-day conversations aren't that. Is that what you experience? Yeah. um, Yeah. Overall, I I think it was my podcast started with just like the selfish Um, idea of like, I just want to get to know my family and friends a little bit more and um, why not record it and just like show people how to like navigate those difficult or meaningful conversations um, in a real way. And so um, it started out that way, um, having conversations with my brother about his growing up because we're nine years different, um, talking to my mom about, you know, why you didn't talk to me and my brothers raising three black um, boys. Uh, in America, why don't you talk about race more? Um, having a difficult conversations with my my wife. I'm in an interracial marriage, and so uh, she's white from Minnesota. Around um, police brutality, being an ally, uh, especially around um, the killing of George Floyd. So, like those are those are kind of some of the conversations that I've I've had thus far, and kind of like branching out. But yeah, those those are I I. What's interesting is I have those conversations every day, but like I, I, um, purposely do it on the podcast to kind of like show other people like this is, it's possible to do that in your everyday life. I love that. I'm absolutely the same and, and have that same hunger just like you. So why do you think that we're not having these real conversations like in day-to-day life? Well, um, I, I thought about this before I even started my podcast a good amount. Um, I, I thought about, you know, um, there's so many things that take away our attention from being present in the moments, from from appreciating the time that we have with the people that are in our lives every day or the people that we pass by on the street or what have you. Um, and so it could be, you know, 
social media is a big one. It takes up and sucks up so much of our time and so much of our attention, our work, um, even even the things that we uh, we do every single day. It just takes up so much of our time. And so oftentimes I have to remind myself to just like get rid of the distractions. Um, there's just a lot of distractions in this world. And so, um, yeah, I think that's the biggest reason why uh, <laughs> we don't have those real meaningful and substantive conversations. And also, I think that we're afraid. We're afraid of how, um, you know, the people in our lives will react. We're afraid of, of if we're true and honest about what we feel about what's going on in our mind, that the other person can't hold it. The other person can't manage um, our emotions. And so um, there's a level of trust and vulnerability that needs to happen. And I think somewhere along the way, um, we lost that and we have to kind of relearn that. Totally agree. So why would you say that it's necessary that we do that? Because I know a lot of people are all about, you know, positive vibes only, let's keep it cool, let's just be friendly, that kind of stuff. And if it is scary, then I think, you know, you're, you are going to avoid that. No, that's a that's a great question. I think I think when something's difficult doesn't mean it should be impossible nor should we approach it, right? And so when I when I have difficult conversations specifically around, you know, race um or or uh different socioeconomic statuses um with people that just don't recognize an issue or don't recognize a problem, I'm like, well, if we don't have this difficult conversation, if you don't understand a different perspective or try and seek a greater understanding of the world and the people that are around you, um, we're kind of going to be stuck in the same places. Um, we've seen it yeah. in the last, you know, year, two years um, mm-hmm. that, you know, things that America has not dealt with um, for years or just kind of like swept under the rug um, because we didn't have the difficult conversations or this like a reckoning of our actual history that's happened and taken place for, you know, hundreds of years. But um, and so I think it's just very important to approach it, you know, um, get into that, uh, like Brene Brown, she says, get into the arena um, and be fully vulnerable and like trust that the other person's going to do that um, vulnerability because she said it's like eight seconds of really difficult. And then after that, you're in the flow of conversation and just being being there, being with that other person. Um, yeah. And on the other side of like conflict, difficult, it is a deeper, under, again, a deeper understanding of of other people in the world around us. So, yeah. So what would you say is one of these uh, difficult conversations around social justice that we're not having? So what should we be talking about? Mm, uh, so I think, I think what's different now is that we are having those conversations, but you know, if, if you think about like politics, like there is like a, um, p- people are politicking, right? There's like a, we're, we're in one way we're talking about, Hey, um, we need to provide, for example, universal, like pre-K universal pre-K, but like, there's one side that says universal pre-K, like that's important. And then another side says, Hey, like, but how are we going to pay for that? Well, the issue is that we're, that we're actually not addressing is that there are plenty of parents. There are plenty of families that are actually struggling to um, one, if you're a single parent, go to work and also find adequate care for your, your child Two, if you're, if maybe you don't have that issue, but you also want to provide a, a, a grounded education for, for your child. Um, and three, like the amount of money that it takes for families to, to have, uh, when they have kids to provide that kind of education. And so that leaves, um, if we're talking about even the economics of it, that leaves a, a whole bunch of people in that realm 
vulnerable to not being able to uh, provide that great opportunity to their kids. And so when I talk about like the things that are not happening, the things that are that we're missing is that we're, we're missing like the real life impacts of the greater decisions that uh, of the greater things that we're we're like just politicking around and not really getting down to the nitty gritty of like how we're going to solve these issues, how we're going to support people, how we're going to care for people. Um, that's just one example. I mean, when we talk about in the last two years, I'll say, um, I would even go back bigger than that, uh, with the, uh, election of Donald Trump. Um, there was grander conversations around race, racism, systemic racism, white supremacy. Um, and so a lot of those things that used to be taboo to talk about are now being more openly shared, but I think people are not understanding like in greater depth of what those things are. Um, so it's, it's a little different. My answer would have been very different probably like two, three years ago. Um, but I think I think we are starting to have the conversations in, in the broader scope, but we're kind of missing um, missing the actual people that are impacted. So we're talking about these grandiose ideas, but we're missing the actual people that are impacted. Sorry, I, I can go on and on. <laughs> uh, I'm an external processor, so sometimes it takes me a little bit to get there, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So um, I'm going to switch it up a little bit and talk about men. So mm -hmm. I think that um, all men, but maybe particularly men of color, have a real powerful role to play in creating social change. And maybe that's uh, people's like, oh, well, men rule the world. But I think that I'm saying this because I don't think that they're doing maybe the job that they should be doing. <laughs> so okay. if you think that men have fallen down on the job, um, how do you think that, how do you think that is showing up as leaders? Yeah. Um, well, I think, Hmm. Big question. I think I'll just talk about my experience. I think, okay. um, I think growing up, I, I had these ideas of what it was like to be a man of what it was it like. I, I, I don't know my biological father. I don't have um, my, I had a stepdad, but like even seeing him as uh, as like this role model wasn't necessarily there. So in my life, I, I haven't had a ton of people that were like role models that I could look up to uh, of like relationships or, or, or marriage or anything like that. And so, um, and so like you kind of pick up the pieces and, and somebody in my circumstances just pick up some pieces of what it is like trying to be a man um, in this society. And there's so many things that, you know, from media to, um, yeah, to a lot of media, movies, all that stuff, to even just like the passerbys of people that are in your life, uh, whether they be teachers, professors, or, you know, people that you, coaches, whatever, you get those pieces of that and trying to um, piecemeal on this mosaic of what, this picture of what it's like to be a man. Um, and so I think, overall there's like these big like <laughs> billboards of like oh uh, to be a man is to be this strong masculine person somebody who doesn't cry somebody who doesn't share their emotions or um you know is just like i'm just gonna go out be this breadwinner yada 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 kind of like this i would say like even like a warrior type model of, of what a man is um but what i've what i have learned in my own um, identity as i've become more secure in myself more secure in my masculinity uh, even parts of like femininity that I have is that like, I, I don't have to be anything greater than myself. You know, um, I think that there are parts of, I think that there are, are so many men out there that are trying to pretend um, that they have it all figured out. They're trying to pretend that like, this is what it's like to be a man and are, are masquerading as somebody that they are not. 
And I think that for myself, I'm still, there are parts of me that still do that. And parts of me that are still trying to figure out like, who is Jonathan? How do I show up in the world? How do I be, you know, the best partner I can be? How do I be the best son I can be? How do I be the best grandson? All those different things and be present here. Um, while, uh, while not letting like these insecurities or these false ideas of what a man um, or masculinity uh, that is so perpetuated in society um, control and dictate how I, how I live my life. So um, hopefully that answers your question uh, or gets at what you're, what you're, um, what you're asking, but that's kind of like how I see it now. Yeah. I think um, I didn't really ask it in the best way. Cause I wasn't really sure what how to articulate that. Mm -hmm. But I think because men have been in charge, you would think that they would know how to do that. Yeah. And, <laughs> and yeah. And I think, you know, when you look at society, the way that it is clearly stuff's not working, mm -hmm. not to say that it's all up to men because I yeah. think men have a role. Women have a role, but um, I think when we're our healthiest selves, then that comes together in a, in a better way. So because historically we've had this problem of men being the men don't cry and all of that stuff, the, the whole macho, unemotional um, stereotypes. Uh, how do you see the road to, to more balance, more health, more just a natural person? How do you see that happening? Well, um, one of the most fragile things in the entire world is uh, a man's ego. <laughs> and so like, I think, um, the more, the more men that, uh, relinquish control or understand that, like, they don't have it all figured out and understand that, um, you know, we need, uh, the opposite sex, sex as like a partner, um, in, you know, navigating this world. I think that, that is, we're going to get as close to possible as to, um, moving in the right direction. I think, um, I think I'm one that like appreciates balance and, and, um, appreciates balance so much that like, I have a difficult time like saying that, you know, men have it all figured out or, or, or one, one position has it all figured out. It's, I don't, I don't think so. I think, I think, uh, we do need a, a healthy balance. And so if we are, I guess if we're to get to, yeah, we're, men's egos need to be let go, like relinquish some level of control, um, in all spheres and like, and have some sort of like shared, um, not even authority. I don't want to say authority or even power, but like, um, I would say, I guess, stewardship of, of like the things that are around us in in, in, the, in this world. Um, like that's what, how we're going to get to a better place. I, I think that people trying to dominate and take control and have power and authority is kind of like detrimental to getting to like some positive direction, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody needs to have their own agency and their yeah. own power, but trying to do that over other people. Yeah. That's, that's not the move. We've done that for too long already. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and like you mentioned, it's, it's literally, it's not working. <laughs> it's yeah, not working. It is not yeah. working. Yeah. So what about the opposite extreme? So you have these, um, often younger people who have mm -hmm. a lot of opinions, philosophies, uh, but they're not actually living them. They're just, you know, sitting there complaining, telling other people what to do, doing the mm -hmm. drama, doing the social media, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. um, any suggestions on how to get those people off the couch and, you know, to just kind of engage and, and maybe not change the system, but at least change their own lives? Absolutely. I think um, I have a three a three step process. Anytime I talk to you or coach anybody about like this very question that you ask is like, all right, 
I posted, I did my black square last year, you know, um, I'm talking to some friends or whatever. Um, maybe not really. Uh, but I would say like, do it, uh, mess up, do it again. Um, I think oftentimes we, it, well, I'll even say this, we're in a, like a social media world. So like things start and happen in social media, but that also can be like, there also is like some studies that show like when somebody posts or shares something on, on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, they feel like accomplished and it's done. Yeah. But there's also like things that um, like a social media post, isn't going to fix that. Like signing something one time, isn't going to fix that. There is like an ongoing, like learning process um, that needs to take place. Like it's a lifelong journey of like social justice, being somebody who, who cares about marginalized groups, um, who cares about um, climate justice, who cares about racial justice, all those different things. And so it is constantly being pre um, present, you know, having difficult conversations and, and, um, you know, standing up for those who, who are not present in the room, or you hear something, and you're like, yo, that is not okay. Um, you know, uh, maybe even like, if you hear something, you're in a, you're in a work meeting, and you're like, well, what about this group that's not, um, that's not present, or is not represented, or how we how we look at it? it's always looking to the outskirts to the marginalized, and, um, and really ask yourselves, what can I do, and then do that thing. I think, besides just social media, besides just like having conversations with friends, because I do this a lot too. It's like, how are you showing up in the world? How are you going to do the next thing and do that thing? Um, there are so many people, so many activists and um, people that we, that, that we follow on social media that provide like next steps. Um, and sometimes it's just like, oh, sending this petition calling, but there actually is like, you actually can, you know, choose different places to work or like, have conversations with your boss or send an email to the CEO or, um, you know, there's, there's, there's like active or, or pract uh, practical things that can be done. Voting, pay attention to what's going on in your legislature, um, reaching out to them. Like there's active participant things. Um, so that you can get out of the, the rat race of just being a, a social media warrior. Cause I don't like social media uh, justice warriors actually, cause they kind of, I'm like, <laughs> but I have never seen you like March. I've never seen you write a letter. I've never seen mm -hmm. you do anything. Um, and so like I can have conversations all day, but like the most frustrating thing for me is that if we're not doing anything that's execute executing, if we're not doing anything that's like even moving the needle a little bit towards change, then what are we doing? We're wasting our time. Um, and so uh, I don't like wasting my time, especially when I know that there are plenty of groups, marginalized groups that are being impacted um, in a negative way. And so I want to make sure that that we can't stop it all together, but that we can get as close to possible as to stopping it. And so um, I always encourage people to do what you can within your sphere, because that's what you can be responsible for. Do what you can. That's within your sphere. Well, you talk about social media, and I think it is important to some degree. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's a time waster in another. Yeah. <laughs> but when I look at so I, I know that they target your your feed based mm -hmm. on what you're interested in. So maybe I'm, I'm not interested in the right stuff, but I know that they um so the things that I'm looking at that come across to me about manhood and about um, social justice and those kinds of things, they're not real positive messages. Mm. So, I mean, are you seeing something different? No, absolutely. I think there are algorithms that, and I literally just watched a study on this the earlier, uh, um, the other day, is that the algorithms are set up to, because they want you to stay on the app. So the algorithms are set up into a way that like will show you and provide like this echo chamber of things that you like, quote unquote, like, um, or are semi associated with the things that uh, you like. And so it's to keep you on the app all the time. 
And so uh, one of the things that can combat that is like, uh, is that not only social media is, is the way to, to, you know, be on there, but it's like, where else can you get those news sources? Where else are you um, understanding and getting a, a, a greater perspective of the world, right? Um, it can't just be social media. It can be other influences, other news outlets, other TV shows, other things like that. But that's the other active part, right? Is like, um, is like uh, what when people there's a lot of like quote unquote like research that's going on or people watching research or whatever. It's like, all right, that that's good, but like books are good, articles are good. Um, verify the sources, and, and it's a lot of work because so much information is getting tossed at us. Um, and I'm a researcher at heart, and so. Um, so it's a little bit easier for me. That's my inclination of like checking sources, understanding the data. But, uh, but I think we can't get caught up in the loop, the, in, the information loop or the echo chambers that are in our, our social media feeds. Because it, again, it happens to me too. Like um, now in my social media, there's so many people that talk about social justice or, or um, there's like confirmation bias of things that I see and it confirms what I already believe. But like, right. in what ways am I challenging myself? Um, and what ways am I making myself uncomfortable? I listen to voices that like, I don't necessarily agree with, or they say something that like catches me off guard or, or I try and listen to a perspective purposely um, that, is, that is different from my own. Um, and I think that's, uh, that maybe this is another conversation, but I think that it has become increasingly difficult uh, um, in an ever increasing polarized society that we find ourselves in today. And I kind of think that that's the point. I think they, whoever they are, whoever's got the agenda wants to keep it that way. And that's kind of what I'm saying by when I look at social media, I don't see positive examples of specifically um, men of color, Mm. people of color generally, but men of color, where are they? Yeah, that's, are they on your feed? (laughs) That's, that's a great question. They're, they're more on my feed and, and, and uh, Laura, excuse me, I had to like find them, right? Like I like stumbled upon them because I think what gets clicks, what gets likes is like those, those uh, snappy responses or somebody going off for somebody or, right. you know, really yes. getting in somebody's face. Um, but the interesting thing is like, although we're not seeing them in social media, um, there are like so many people in real life. That's why I'm trying to like distance myself. Like obviously social media is necessary for like work and for me work and like my own podcast and stuff like that. But like, I want to have like real conversations. Like, who are you as a person? You know, it's easy to post a comment that's really ha- hateful and mean and spiteful um, on my feed or somebody else's feed or pictures. Um, but like, would you actually say that to my face? Um, right. And I'm curious of like, where does that like, where does that come from? Like, why do you have that kind of like animosity or, or why are you spewing that hatred in the world? Like, let's talk about it. Um, but there's some, there's some people and I can forward you um, them. There's uh, Mr. Jason Williams. Um, he, he does like, um, he's this black man. I think he's in Detroit. He has like this Institute that he founded. Um, and he just teaches young black kids in the neighborhood martial arts, but not to like fight or harm people, but it's more of self-discipline, self-understanding, um, self-perception. And he talks about how, um, men can cry and it's okay. Um, he's really inspirational to me. Um, there's another person that kind of, uh, has, um, gained a lot of followers in the last like six ish months, but his name is Kira Gaines and he's gotten, um, he's a therapist and stuff like that gone his own. He's become like this influencer, but he really talks about, and he's a black man. He really talks about like this connection and understanding of your emotions. Um, but there's, there's those people, but it's like, again, you have to like follow them and then they, get, they kind of like link you up with other people. It, it, it's so hard to like crack the algorithm to kind of get those healthy models of like masculinity especially especially for black men because of the 
um, the media kind of like how, how honestly we're portrayed um, overall because it gets clicks and, and, mm-hmm. and likes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another thing, a trend that I see, I don't know if this is, I hope this is not in the, in the mainstream society, but it certainly is on social media yeah. is this idea that fathers and well, fathers are disposable or optional. And mm-hmm. in my practice, I see men complaining about a, being ATM. So I, I guess it is in the mainstream society because they don't feel like they have any other role. And mm-hmm. does this show up in your clients, your friends or your social circles? Yeah. Well, what's interesting is that me and my partner are the only ones in like our friend circles that don't, um, that don't have kids. It's, it's wild. We only, maybe one or two other people don't, one or two other couples don't have kids. Um, but what I've seen in my friend circles, um, not in my clients yet, but well, actually in one client that they're, um, they're really active in the lives of their kids. They want to be present. They want to be, be dads and they see themselves as much more than just like ATMs, you know, much more than just, uh, people that like go to work, um, and like pay the bills and all that. They, they want to know and understand and, and be empathetic to the kids. They want to be around. Um, and so like, maybe I purposely surrounded myself with people like that. And I knew them before they were, um, before they were dads. And so, um, like I just use that as inspiration because one of the things that I've even found, even though I didn't have like a solid, well, my stepfather who was there for a good portion of my life. Um, he was a great dad. Like he, you know, not only like ATM, like he taught me how to play, you know, sports, the sport I love and, um, was always there at all my games and all that. Um, even though he was in the military and gone like sometimes half the year, but, you know, I I've tried to, in my own self, if me and my partner have kids, like I want to be present. And I even told her, I said, if I, (laughs) I will be a stay at home dad, I'm totally fine with that. I have no problem being a stay at home dad because I want to be present in my, uh, present in my kid's life and show that, you know, uh, in society, grander society, like the idea of being a stay at home dad is so frowned upon. Um, but like, uh, they're stay at home moms all the time. It's, it's an incredible job. And I see it as one, um, and actually one of my neighbors is a stay at home dad. He's been a stay at home dad for all of his kids life. And so he's actually really present. So I, I, and the thing is I've heard that idea and I uh, grew up thinking that that was my role. Like I heard that I'm just, all right, I got to get a job, got to make a whole lot of money and just support my family. And that's my role. That's it. Um, but I think, I think, uh, just at least in my circle and hopefully my generation that that kind of like cycle gets broken and changed and that there is more of a partnership, um, and stewardship of like kids and like being present, um, more so than just an ATM. Well, it's interesting because, you know, you just said that, and that's not been my experience either with my Mm. father. We're both people of color, but that's not what the statistics say. And I'm wondering, well, who are these people that are in the statistics? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah, that's so true. I I have no idea who they're they're in. And I don't know, Lord, maybe it's like a, a, a grander perception, right? Like that's going on in society that like the role of the dad is to be out there and maybe there's like these ideas of of like um like mother still like being in the home which is like i don't understand how that keeps getting perpetuated overall um because i'm like a lot of like more and more people i know like really really love being dads like they love being present with their kids and so i don't know how that keeps i don't know who they're talking to (laughs) i don't know who they're talking to because that's that's really strange because i know a lot of of guys who just love being a dad yeah, I'm glad that that's the trend. Yeah. That, yeah, that looks good for everybody, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because the, 
in some circles, you know, I'm a female and we have females talking about female stuff mm -hmm. and there's a whole lot of uh, chat about toxic masculinity and mm. which would perpetuate fatherlessness and, you know, all of this stuff that goes along with that warrior mentality, but I don't see it in real life. Mm. Mm. I'm, I, I'm really curious about that. And I, I'm, I'm wondering, I, I might have to put a poll out there. I'm really curious about what, what my, what my circle has to say, because I, I think, I think cognitively, I know that when I actually like think about it, like cognitively, I know that like, of course, like there are lots of dads that want to be with their kids that want to be present and, you know, see themselves more, more than just like this quote unquote, like provider or, you know, source of income or whatever. Um, but like, again, like you're saying, like, is that like, what, what is going on, um, in the, like the, the, the subconscious of folks, like, do you like passively believe that? Like, what are you, what are the other people seeing in their lives? I'm really curious now you got me, I might, uh, you're putting my researcher cap on, make me want to like do some, do a deep dive on this. Well, I'm wondering if it's the circles that people travel in, because I don't, mm. I know that I'm not in the mainstream society at all. I don't have a pulse on what's going on in the mainstream mm. society. Um, but I trust the research too, I think. Yeah. Now I'm yeah. starting to question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, um, well, I always question research anyways, but the, the, but the, but this one, I mean, there might be some level of truth there of like, I'm wondering what questions they're asking. Do they, do they see the man's role or quote unquote man's role in the home as like a provider and that's it? Is there a greater role? Do they, um, what, what do you even like women expect of men in the household? Like, cause now that you mention it, I've, I've seen some, some, um, some things on social media and there'll be like memes or whatever, just to like, uh, these big old influencers will post like a meme just to see reactions basically from their followers. And I've seen some of like, um, you know, if, if I date him, if I date a guy and he can't, you know, pay all my rent, like, then he's not, I'm not going to date him. And I'm just like, do you really think that? Like, how often are you going to find somebody who's going to pay all of your bills and on top of their own? Um, and there, and I still see some people like, yeah, I agree. I totally agree with that. Um, or vice versa of like, you know, um, I expect a woman to be in the home and take care of the home and I'll do everything else. And I still see stuff like floating around like that. I'm like, really? People really do think like this? So maybe I got my own echo chamber of people that don't think that way anymore. Um, and I just don't see it anymore, recognize it as like this big thing, but maybe it's bigger than, than I'm thinking about. Well, I think uh, courtship is different, totally different. And mm -hmm. it seems to be really casual today. Um, I'm not even sure if courtship is, is even a thing. People don't date. Mm. Um, so there's a difference between hanging out and dating. Absolutely. And it seems like most people now just hang out. Mm -hmm. So what do you think has created the change in that? Shoot, I don't from know. From a man's perspective. I don't know because like I remember because um, I used to be the hangout guy. I'd be like, oh, like, let's hang out. Um, and for me, it was easier to say like, let's hang out rather than say, hey, let, let's go on a date. Cause like, there's like a level of commitment there, um, a level of like expectation that I don't think I'm, I'm going to meet slash like I was insecure, like literally like I was insecure about, you know, asking somebody out that like, I kind of really liked or wanted to get to know and like asking that person out on a date rather than like to hang out. Cause I think again, the hangout was easier than the date. Um, Calm, yeah. So uh, like anytime, like I would see, uh, see somebody that I liked, I would turn into that, like 
12 year old kid, like in sixth grade. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, and I'm, and I'm, to be honest, like, uh, I think that goes around much more, much more than we, than we think that there is like this lack of commitment or lack of like desire for commitment. Um, that like, I don't know if it's the commitment that's scary or like, um, being with somebody that's scary or being vulnerable or, or anything, anything like that. I mean, I would, I would be, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell the, the line here. I think it is those things. I think there is a, a, a fear of commitment, a fear of vulnerability, a fear of trust and like asking somebody, um, beyond just a hangout, do you want to get to know me? Cause that's what dating is. It's like getting to know somebody and having a purpose in, 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 in uh, getting to know somebody. And it's just easier to just like hang out. And so I, I like know so many, so many guys that still like ask the hangout thing. And I'm like, yo, you need to ask that, ask that person out on a date. Like, like you need to, you need to like grow up a little bit because there is a like, yeah, that, yeah. It's just like really nervous and nerve wracking for me. When I remember when I was dating, my wife told me, and she was like, uh, gosh, I do not miss dating. I said, I don't either. Cause I was always nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. I mean, yeah. it's not easy, but it seems like it's a rite of passage thing. I mean, you Absolutely. have to learn how to do that. Yep. And I think it adds to confusion. Mm. Um, because I saw this TikTok where the speaker asked the audience to stand up if they or someone they knew had been sexually assaulted and almost mm. everybody stood up. Goodness then gracious, the speaker yeah. asked, yeah, yeah. Then they asked if, uh, if they knew any rapists and everybody sat down. Mm. So, I mean, that, that can't be if everybody in the audience has either been sexually assaulted or know somebody, then there have to be rapists out there. Yeah. And absolutely. I think that goes hand in hand with knowing your, your social cues and, and doing the social thing and having these rites of passages. So I think absolutely, that's, yeah. you know, it's a male and female thing, but I think that's a thing. No, absolutely. And, and one of the things that I will not, um, and yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll take ownership of that too, of like, kind of like being dismissive of that. Cause I think it's really important to like, as a man, like call that out. Like we, we definitely have to be able to hold our, hold our friends accountable, um, call them out, call, call the, the daggone police. Um, if they're doing some things wrong in that. And I, I can, I know for a fact, cause I used to work in higher education. I know that the statistics are really high, um, for people that, um, for, for women that are sexually assaulted, even within their first year, um, in, in college, uh, that we know and recognize these things. And there's plenty of cases that have made the news, but there's even more so that haven't. And so like, I've even recognized even in my friend circles that like people like downplay what sexual assault is people downplay what, you know, consent is. Um, and we've, and I've had to lead like conversations with, with groups of student leaders and stuff like that. And, and, and really like making sure that, you know, we're mandatory reporters. Like we have to make sure that, that, um, even your students, if you hear somebody like share this information with you, that you make sure that they feel safe, um, that they're able, that they know that they can get some, some kind of support. Um, and unfortunately, I think that even institutions fail in that. And there's like a societal failing in that, that there's not um, a greater um, accountability, specifically for men when it comes to uh, sexual assault and stuff like that. And even going back to the conversations of like this hangout culture versus dating culture, you're right. Like we have to, to learn the cues to understand um, like what's happening, even in like a, a courtship kind of kind of relationship. Yeah. And I think this is a place where, because it's male dominated, men can take the lead. I mean, they have to, because yeah. not to say that women aren't rapists, but mm -hmm. it's overwhelmingly men. Oh, and I 100%. think part of the problem of that, and maybe, maybe I, 
I don't have this right, but I think part of it is um, male loneliness. Mm. I mean, in COVID, I think there's an epidemic of loneliness across the board, but with women and elderly, we're, we have social permission to talk about stuff like that, but men really don't. Mm. So what do you think is causing that secrecy and why is it a secret? Like loneliness? Yes. Mm. There was a stu- there was this, this study that was done. It's a documentary on Hulu. Um, all the stuff I mentioned, I can't remember off the top, but I'll, I'll forward to you after. But it looked at like boys that went from like elementary school to about middle school um, and high school, just followed them uh, and tracked like their progress and like how they interacted with their other um, guy friends and how they what their conversations were about, how they were interact, how just basically how they interacted and. In elementary school, um, young boys are like, so they easily say like, they'll ask, you'll ask the question, do you love your friend? And they'll say, yes, I love my friend. He's my best friend. I love him. He makes me laugh. He makes me smile. All these different things are, uh, I was sad when my friend moved away. And when you get to middle school, there's like this shift that happens. And it's a very drastic shift where like, that's no longer okay. Like if you were to ask a middle school kid, do you love your friend? Like, no, what do you mean? Like, I, and it's just like, no, like, and you don't, and it's like elementary school to middle school, like it's a middle school is tough, but like the language changes, the, the actions change. And then in, by high school, college, there's like all of this, like toxic kind of like interactions, even in our like male, um, um, like male interactions. And like somewhere along the way, in that, like, it becomes o- un-okay to, like, be your full emotionally vulnerable self. Like, even with your friends, even with your guy friends. And I remember, even for myself, I remember I had a best friend um, that lived in the same complex as me. And I didn't have many friends that lived close because I couldn't, I mean, everybody, we lived in a really uh, dense city. And so it was hard for me to, like, go visit a friend. But that person, that one friend I had moved. And I remember when he said goodbye, um, I remember sobbing for hours that my friend moved away and I lost another friend like years later. I'm thinking of like high school or something like that. And I didn't cry. I'm like, Oh, like whatever, forget him. Like he moved away. And like, there's like, I, there's like this cognitive dissonance and like distancing from my emotions that kind of happens. Um, and again, I think it goes back to like societal expectations and I don't want to put it all on society because like there's some, um, level of like, um, I'm trying to move away from like ownership or something like that, but there's like accountability, self-accountability that we have to have of like giving mm-hmm. ourselves permission to be emotionally vulnerable, giving ourselves permission to have like the full spectrum of humanness. But um, yeah, but I, I think there's media society, um, even growing up, like I remember just like, I just wasn't given space. I didn't see it. I wasn't taught it like how to be like, emotional like I wasn't taught it like my mom could be emotional but like my stepdad I never saw him be emotional like I never mm-hmm. saw my grandpa be emotional I saw my grandpa cry one time in my entire life I've only seen him cry one time and it was during Finding Nemo and when we like we talked about it we <laughs> talked about it we, we asked him we said hey what are you crying about and like he said nothing I'm not crying and like he completely <laughs> shut down his own emotions um we all laugh about it but I'm like that's a serious moment that we like that was a teaching moment to to show like you know this big like and my grandpa was like six five six six like 270 pounds like he's a big guy but like to cry and be vulnerable there like what kind of lesson could you have taught to your grandchildren yeah. at that point that moment like I could say mm-hmm. for myself I just didn't see it 
Um, and again, like, when I talk about my own experience and potentially being a father one day, is like I want to show my kids, especially if I have um, young boys, that like it is okay to cry. It is okay to feel your emotions throughout their entire relationship because we're we're seeing that um, even studies are showing that um, there's connection between like depression, anxiety, the loneliness you were mentioning is like this disconnectedness from our emotions, from uh, mm-hmm. actually verbalizing our sadness and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So I do think that men could tap into their feminine side more and mm-hmm. allow themselves to do that. But at the same time, we have this thing going on where, um, well, so when I was growing up, I was conditioned to look for a gentleman, mm-hmm. a man who could change a tire, you know, he needed to be handy around the house and do manly things, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, mow the lawn, whatever that means. And, um, you know, a guy's expected to take off his hat when he came inside, open the door, those kinds of things. And now there's no gender roles and those type of expectations, at least in my circles or what I see, don't exist anymore. Mm. Um, do you think that's progress? I think it's progress if, if both people are or both people are like, this is this is what I like to do. Like if my she doesn't. But if my if my if my wife wanted to, like, change the tire, like if I if I can't change the tire, and she knows I change the tire. I wouldn't feel less of a man because she knows how to do something I wasn't. The mere fact of the matter is you were taught how to change a tire. I was not. Um, and so I think I think that it can be counted as progress. Yeah, absolutely. I think it can be counted as progress. Um, but obviously people, they have to like, I, I, I want to be in this relationship. I, I feel like this is, this is my role. These are things I want to do. Um, yeah, I, I would see it as progress. So where is the line or is there a line between men and women? Well, men and women or like, uh, men and women or the gender roles of men and women. Is there a difference? I would think so because of like, like expectations of because like set there's like the expectations of like somebody's sex and the expectation of somebody's gender how they're like presenting right and so i would say that there there would be an expectation um or difference is there a line though personally i don't think that there's, i don't think there is a line or there should be a line um it can go based off of anybody's preference i think because if we try and put like a finite thing on it then like wouldn't we be putting people all kinds of people in a box and saying what you can and cannot do right um so i'm hesitant to put like a finite line on there obviously there's things that biologically men can do and biologically women can do um and and can't do vice versa whatever but um but as far as like navigating the world you know doing you know cleaning the house or changing a tire changing the oil um going to the grocery store uh, doing everyday things that any anybody uh, that could potentially do. I don't. I don't think that there really is a line. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think for me, the line is uh, biology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you know, we 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 have to obey biology. Yeah. Yeah. No. no, no there's some things we can do, but not. There's not a, not a whole lot we can do about the biology piece. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Right. Yeah. Without going to extremes. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> So uh, our guest again is Jonathan Dumas. Jonathan, can you tell everybody where to find you? 
Absolutely. So my uh, podcast is Real Talk with Dumas. You can find me on Instagram at RTWD Podcast. That is RTWD Podcast. I'm also the owner and founder of Common Culture Coaching and Consulting. Um, you can find my website at Common Culture CC. Um, I do a lot of organizational development and team development work with all kinds of organizations. And I also provide one-on-one and group coaching. So if you're interested, you can reach out to me there. Cool. Thank you, Jonathan Dumas. And thank everybody for joining us for this edition of Pan Society Radio. So grateful for you all being here and tuning in. Be sure to check us out next week in the same place. Ciao.